This is the Creative Creative, a podcast of authentic discussion with industry pros. Well, my name is Dan- Daniel Vogel. Um, currently, uh, I am an editor for a true crime series called Fatal Attraction. Um, uh, I've been doing that for about six months. Um, prior to that, uh, just a lot of... Uh, a work and editing gigs here and there. Uh, a lot of moving uh, went from LA to Austin, back to LA to Nashville to Knoxville. Um, you know, all in search of that that perfect situation, which is good pay, cushy job, things like that. Uh, you know, I, people I meet when I work with them, I try and stay in contact with them. Try and uh constantly see what they're doing just stay in their mind but mainly word of mouth for me i'm not i'm not a big instagram uh peddler or whatever i don't know much about that but maybe i need to get better at it um but uh, i do or like a vimeo or anything i don't have a personal website i just have a vimeo it's just uh you know vimeo.com slash dvogel and, and that and that hunts for you like that 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 when you share and talk with people that's that works that's fine uh it 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 does work i i, I mean i guess uh, a lot of my work has been in post so it's been you know extended periods of time at one job than the other uh tend to either move with someone or use a contact that i've met at previous jobs to to get to the next thing. Um, but I think here, here where I'm at, I'm at a place where I'm doing something and it's, I'm continuously editing and working with programs and stuff. So that's good, but I'm not feeling the creative need, um, that I feel like I've always had, which is like when you and I, we did that thing with Lindsay or whatever, or, or stuff like that filming. Uh, I like to get behind the camera. Uh, and I like to chop it up when it's done. Um, so, you know, I think going forward, I'm going to need to get a little more into a bigger presence in other places. But as far as, like, continuing to work, uh, you know, word of mouth and just keeping in contact and constantly letting people know I'm available even if I'm not available kind of thing. Yeah, you know, that's interesting that you bring up like the project with Lindsay, because I think, you know, because because when I met you, you you had you had moved around a little bit and you had you were living in Austin by the time I had moved there. And then we met at Megalo Media when we were working the same job mm-hmm. and or same department. You you had you had a different job than me and I had yes. a different one from you. But like those side projects were like so important to being able to build a network and kind of hang out with people. Do you find that true in Knoxville and other places that you've been, or is that like a uniquely Austin thing? Um, you know, interestingly enough, uh, I would say that at a quick glance, at least, I think Austin was the place that that was very specific to the reason being like, so when I lived in Los Angeles, the first time, first nine years, I was getting my bearings, you know, you're in Los Angeles, you're small fish in a big pond kind of thing. So when I got work, decent work, it was it, w- it was stuff that I would just, that's what I did. And I lived my life outside of that. O- on occasion, I would get involved in like doing a thing, but it was more of just personally driven 
nothing where it was like a group of people getting together and like pretty much no cost kind of thing. You know, everybody donated their time, the equipment they had, things like that. I had that in Austin. Um, when I went back to Los Angeles after leaving Austin, I tried to get that going and, and actually embarked on some things with people. It just kind of fell apart. Uh, everybody wanted to know what they were, how can I get paid? What am I going to get paid? This and that. It didn't, it wasn't a passion project. Mm -hmm. So uh, here in Knoxville, I've only been here six months. I will say that my the two people next door to me, they, they work at Discovery um, and they are composers. We've been talking about maybe trying to get together and collab on something, maybe to cross our worlds together. We're not sure. But it I, I feel like the the Austin's film community, at least at the time that we were there, those like four years of that of that around that time were it's like the most outside of work thing uh, I've been a part of. Like, cause you know, with Lindsay, I did like a couple music videos. I did some other things. I shot that thing with uh, the the Life Without Color that's on Amazon. With yeah. Um, Dane, you know, and, and the best thing, the best thing about it is um, those projects that I worked on in Austin, I worked with a lot of the same people and then a lot of the different people. And, as as those projects came, uh, it was almost like being able to figure out, okay, yeah, I really want to work with this guy because one, he's into it, and like, you know what I mean? Like, you kind of weed your way and find these are the people that are like would work well together. This group, you know what I mean? Like, so it's like, oh, I'd pass the camera to that guy, no problem. Whatever it is, you know what I mean? Yeah, but you know, that's one of the things that comes with like that passion project space, though, is that you're going to bring together a team and that not everybody's got the same skill sets. And you're going to have some like real weird outliers of people that kind of kind of get it, kind of don't. You've got people that are really talented. And, and it's really unusual because like, I think in the workspaces that we've been in, all of kind of the volatility of different skill levels is shaken down and it's gone. And that was one of the things that was always really wild and interesting about the passion projects. You mentioned you've tried to get it up off the ground. It's like, it doesn't always get off the ground. It, it, it doesn't. You got to think about like, if you don't have the camera equipment or you don't have this, you either got to find someone to work with that's really amped on it, that wants to lend their equipment to the production, or you got to find a way to rent it. So yes, it, a lot of times it doesn't even get off the ground. A lot of times, if you're the person organizing it, or thinking it through, coming up with the idea or whatever, it just never makes it any further than this constant. I, I have a lot of things that I constantly am like, man, it pops into my, like the same project idea pops into my head a lot, pops into my head a lot. Projects I've thought of five years ago where like they pop into my head again, like and maybe it's gotten better over time in my mind. Now that I'm thinking of it, I have a better way of doing it or a better idea. But it's getting that thing onto paper and then so on and so forth is the has become the challenge. <laughs> um, your your career growth, like the work that you do day to day, does that make it easier to kind of be like? Does that expand expand your mind enough? Because I think. You, me, and, and and a lot of people that might be listening that have worked in the creative space, your career is just like littered with the wreckage of half-finished things. And you, you it, 
do, do you think the career that you've been on and the jobs that you have make it easier to look back at those half finished things and go, ah, I now I see the missing piece? Or is it just from your mindset? It's just the nature of the perspective, man. There's always going to be casualties. Or how, I think, how do you I, thought, I think both, man. I think, uh, you know, I, I, I was an assistant editor. So I would say that the time that I've spent editing uh, since then, actually doing that as my profession, that that constant, you know, uh, control keys, constantly using the program. I feel like as you edit more, you get better at pacing or you get better at seeing things and saying, oh, I know what music to put to this because you, you have, you know what I mean? You have those things that become uh, almost like a muscle, like, like you work them out. Maybe that's a way of like, from a technical sp perspective, thinking about it like technique, like your ability to be fluid in the, in the programs or the fluid with the tools. Sure, yeah, and, and you know, I think the more you, you do that, that may help you in the instance of coming back to something you may have been cutting where it's, maybe you just weren't that good at cutting then and you couldn't figure out how to piece it together. I, I mean, I can tell you 100%, Actually, doing editing as as my full time job and not AEing and then doing editing on the side, it's definitely made a huge difference for f seeing different ways that I can put footage together. Footage that maybe back then I may not I I could throw them on a timeline, but they may not look good. You know, there may not be a pace mm -hmm. to it. There may not be uh, a flow to it, or you know. So I do think that constantly doing a job and and over those years coming back to projects i do think that that helps further things along but i also do think that there are those casualties where like you know it was wrong from the start say i i filmed something it was a great idea but the footage i filmed then the opportunity i had i just wasn't skilled enough to make it what it needed to be to get to what i wanted does that make sense yeah, it does. It does. That makes a whole lot of sense. Um, Recently, uh, last year, my buddy and I, um, my old roommate in Los Angeles, he played pro baseball um, and ended up getting released and decided he was going to be a writer, actor, blah, blah, blah. We were working on this reality show of this dude who is a, he's part of the Hollywood men. So he's basically a male review dancer. Uh, he also was a pro ball player. Uh, semi-pro football player, all this stuff, and now he's a male review dancer. So we were making this reality show, and I was coming out to shoot some scenes for it, coming out to Los Angeles. He had this idea, like, maybe we should film some baseball stuff. He he gives hitting lessons now. My buddy that, that played pro ball, he gives hitting lessons. I spent four days of interviewing people and filming baseball stuff, and what turned what was supposed to just be like, let's get some footage and see what we can do, turned into a show pitch, a show idea. Uh, we called it Little Big Leaguers. It's basically dance moms for baseball, like you know, baseball dads getting in fights with umpires. Um, the way these eight-year-old kids are drafted and and brought through leagues and. Just the whole inner workings and everything, and we ended up making a teaser. We've been pitching the show, and, and that all came from, like, let's just interview people. We had the idea of dance moms, baseball dads kind of thing. Just See, because. I think that's your Austin showing a little bit because, like, that's the type of production that I've really found a lot of joy in here in the city is that where it's like I've got, like, four ideas that are pretty close together, but they're not, like, a whole thing yet. Let's go take some smart brains out with a camera 
and just start figuring it out. Like, yeah, sure, sometimes it doesn't work, but when it comes together, it feels so good. It's like magic. And now you got a show pitch. Exactly. And not only that, like, going along for that ride and being a part of that forces you to wear hats that you normally wouldn't wear. And I think that over time, you end up with a new skill, which at times you could discover that, that this is not only what I absolutely am enjoying doing, but I'm good at it. The guy that I that I filmed this with, like I noticed over time, like he was because he was doing story producing, and not only was he doing story producing, like giving notes and things, like he was restructuring and all these things. Like he really actually came into the role of doing story producing, like he could do it professionally somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? Like he kind of stumbled into it and he loves it, and that was just you know being a part of of the production and and. and it just fell into that role. You're talking about going around and shooting, and even even like when I met you when we were doing Gauntlet, and even earlier, and just when we were when we're talking in this episode, you're saying I started as an assistant editor, and here you are shooting something. I mean, you don't have the financials behind it, but you're basically executive producing this pitch, trying yeah. to get it to land somewhere, yeah. and that's such an expansion of your horizons and such a uh, a growth of your mindset around what media production is. Yeah, I would agree with that. The amount, <laughs> it's crazy the amount of hats that, that came along with that, or that was one of those things where it was like, I had a daytime job where I could just go to work and come home and not do anything, but I was excited to get home from work to work on that, you know, which was, like you said, there's no funding. It's all just, like, you start to see it come together and you're like, oh, this this is really something, like it. It can be something through this guy being being a pro ball player and whatever, and he gives these hitting lessons to people. We ended up meeting a lot of executives and things that work at companies, and then you learn the <laughs> then you learn the ebbs and flows of pitching a show and being told no. <laughs> yeah, and it's like oh well, they, like we're looking for something stupid specific, and we're trying to reach this very focused audience, and we've got these, and he's just like shit, man. You just want like a custom piece and you're just rolling the dice waiting for somebody to show up oh yeah i mean there was some people that told us what it was like they felt that that it was lacking or that they wanted to see we made changes and came back to them with it it's still in flux i guess maybe a, a full re-edit and make a new deck for it but either way it's i think it's a cool idea maybe it's just a niche show but it you know it was awesome going out there with minimal equipment and you like you're saying like i I interviewed these people. I, I chose the shots to shoot and things like that. So I did learn a lot about producing in a way. And, you know, it was just it just came as part of the role. It kind of fell into my lap. And Well, and that's what's really cool, because, like, when, when you are in a group of people where you can take those passion projects and, and kind of run them like a serious job, like run them like a real gig or get as close as you can when that's the mindset in place, because you see people at the beginning of their career that are working like, hourly jobs, waiters, and call centers. And this is how they get started. And here you and I are sharing stories about how this is how you go from middle to high. Yeah. Let me ask you this. So uh, do you feel that your your experience, like you had to do all that stuff, all the things you did before to, to be able to do what you're doing now? Or do you think you could have just had the knowledge of how things work and... You know what I mean? Yeah. 
I mean, I'm really new to a lot of this. Like, I, I'm I'm so new to this level of management. I call my friends and I say, I don't know how to cope with this. Somebody help me. So, like, I think sometimes it just depends on what day you ask me is is yeah. whether or not it's like a really satisfying fit or whether it's a really tough fit. I don't know. And with that, I don't know if like kind of on my emotional level, on my tough days, I'm definitely sitting there going, man, I fucking wasted years. I didn't need any of this to manage people. I needed an entirely different skill set. And then on the good days, I'm like, dude, there's no way I would have sunk this basket if I didn't know what I knew. And if I didn't put in the years of investment that I did. But yeah, I do think long term, the years are worthwhile. It's just on a shitty day, man. Nothing feels like you did as good. Yeah, I could 100% see it being everything that you've been through and that you've done. You know, you may run into a certain situation you've experienced before, but now you're talking someone through it versus doing it yourself. I think you could just talk to someone differently when you've been there and you've done that and you or not in a sense of like, oh, I've done that. You know what I mean? But like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, you're back you know, and, and when I sit down with creatives that are working on our brand projects, especially the external ones, because that's where my most of my experience has been. I sometimes know when to give a little bit extra context that maybe somebody that didn't come up through it wouldn't, because then I'm like, oh, if I if I if I give them just a little bit of a peek behind the curtain to clarify the context, I know they're going to work that much harder to nail something great, because yeah. now now they've got a better understanding of the why behind my ask. And yeah. you know, I think if you're coming out of it where you don't have that intimate practitioner's knowledge you're way less certain about when you give peaks behind the curtain because you don't know if it's a good one or a bad one. Um, but that to, to say all of that, like, I don't think anything that I know prevents somebody else from falling into a role of producer. You're, you're even talking about your friend that you're shooting this stuff with. He kind of came out, out into it as a surprise, but he was able to draw from enough other life experiences that story producing clicked. Yeah. And, and I think that there's a lot of truth behind that, too, is like and I think that's part of sometimes why when I have a hard day, I really reflect negatively on these things, because I'm like, man, anybody could do this once they absorbed enough context. It's not super deep. And then there are the other days where you're working with a creative where you're trying to thread a really specific needle. And it's just like, oh, yeah, the years really counted today. Yeah, I can see that. Like you, the type of produ production work where I've been a leader has been in many ways like a first among equals. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily better or worse. You're kind of deputized to be the immediate decision maker, and you might have just centimeters more clarity in a direction than, than the person next to you, and they're happy to pass off the responsibility. And that's the place that I've led well is kind of from that from that peer leadership group. I'm, I'm used to people having a much deeper production context. No, I mean, the, the weird thing is that you, you spend, we spend all these years to get super intimate with all of this shit, and then you've got to come up for air. And when you come up for air and you go back into kind of the world of people that are normal and don't understand media production, that's when it gets really dicey because it's like all the stuff I know about media codecs and transcoding and, and, and how this translates into publishing and being able to marry graphics cards to cameras. All of that is important. None of it matters in the meetings that I'm a part of. Right. And, so, and it's like when somebody says, well, let's go send a camera out to shoot something and then we can edit it here in the laptop on an office. Like there's this chain of thoughts that fire off where it's like, well, shit, for us to pull that off on a laptop, 
we better be making sure that our camera is not too nice. It's also not too shitty. Yeah. Um, that, that we're making sure that we're getting the right kind of laptop to make sure to work with the camera. And then that the codecs that are on the card, I know that our production schedule doesn't allow us, afford us transcoding, and we don't have the capacity to handle um, something like, uh, uh, like proxies. So we better fucking land on a compatible codec and a compatible camera at the beginning. And then we can do the rest of it super smooth. So a marketing team who moves at the speed of business doesn't have to worry about why is their video taking like a technical stumble and taking way longer than it should. But so all of that knowledge matters, but yo, like it's also weird. It does not show up day to day. Yeah, no, I can understand that. But I will say that being on the other end of stuff coming back from the field that did not have that person such as yourself to know the things that, you know, you're, you're the things you're doing behind the scenes to not having someone like you when it gets to the person who has to deal with it all, as far as like processing, like you said, or you don't have, you don't allow time for, you don't have that kind of time to do transcodes or proxies and all these things. That's a game changer, man. Cause I, I just, uh, I was working at this place and uh, it took a, it took a new post supervisor to realize like that not only do I do what I do but I I've filmed and you know I know my way around a camera and so after a while they would come and ask me these things but it's at times they still wouldn't come back right because the communication was not there yeah. uh, but I think that Having someone that can check everything right out of the gate to make sure you're operating efficiently, it changes the game all the way through in the rest of the process. You know what yeah, I mean? But I mean, but we also know that not having that knowledge, sure, like like the work is more difficult, but you know, plenty of projects have sailed through with technical ignorance at the helm. You know, that's so, you know, that's that's always kind of the give and take, especially that I found in in like the more marketing heavy world, that, that there's always this kind of balancing act between deep wells of knowledge and fuck it, man, we just got to go. Um, let's just get it done. Yeah, yeah, let's just get it done. Let's just keep rocking. Uh, we'll, we'll fix it on the next one, uh, which is kind of cool because, you know, as creatives, we can always overindulge ourselves, go, no, 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 it's not quite right. No, 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 we got to open this back up. No, 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 let's just go back to that one thing. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's kind of nice to have just this like momentum that you can't control. It's, it's just tough when production kind of runs afoul of it because it's this big lumbering messy beast, even after all of these decades. Right. Yeah. So is producing something that you're aiming for? Like, is, is that one of kind of like the side things that you're growing through these passion projects, the ability to kind of keep moving up the ladder yourself? Yeah, I mean, it was never my one main goal. I love editing, and it's great. But, you know, I, I absolutely love being on set. I mean, it's two different types of creativity. Editing takes creativity, and it takes, a, you know, a mind to work a certain way. But I feel like being on set, it's, not a, it's, a, it's a different type of creativity, but it's also an active situation a lot of times it's mind melts and pulling from other people's information to to get to an end goal so i mean producing and or being behind the camera again like full time like doing that and only that would be an, an ultimate goal and if if it's not if it's not as my 
physical job than working towards making that my physical job. Definitely um, being back on set, whether it's producing or editing, or I mean, or shooting. The one thing that I'll always struggle with in, in any sense is like, if I'm there producing something, I'll have to, uh, I'd have to keep myself from wanting to go do the camera. Or if I'm reviewing footage, I keep myself from wanting to edit it. Because in my mind, I guess it's like, well, if I'm doing it, I, I'm doing it. Like I, I'm just doing it. I don't have to tell anybody. I don't have to whatever. You know, that's just kind of an urge I have. Like I, I want to, I want to do all the things. I think that's that's a familiar urge. And man, I, I I talk to so many people on the podcast, and like I, I get this thread amongst the people that are independent. That urge is huge it is the lens for which it's all seen through it's like i i want to do all the things how how do i keep staying successful while doing all the things it's weird so you know my brother's an actor he doesn't ever want to do anything outside of acting like you know he has a lot of downtime in between projects he could produce he could write he could do anything but he you know he doesn't seem to have an urge but if he goes too long in between projects, he starts to get really creatively starved. But I think it's just for that one thing, which is acting. Whereas, and maybe this is a technical versus artsy or whatever kind of thing, but like when I'm doing editing, it's great for a little bit, but then it's like, all right, I'd like a change in pace, whether it's maybe a different type of editing, different reality to scripted or whatever it is, or, I'd like to be behind a camera doing that for a little bit. You know what I mean? Like there's always these urges, different things. Um, and you're always trying to satisfy a creative urge. At least I am. Do you think the software we use fuels that? Because like I found that it was really easy for me to grow my knowledge set through the Adobe Creative Suite and other programs and just kind of circuit all of that post-production world. Because it was like the moment I understood, and this was this dates us a little bit, but it's like the moment I understood Final Cut 7, I was like, cool, now I can open up After Effects. The After Effects work pressured me to open Photoshop more, even though I had dabbled for a long time. And it's like, cool, now I'm up to three programs. Migrate to Premiere, start interacting with vector assets. Now I have Premiere and Illustrator. And it just kept kind of growing the skill set. So it's, again, this whole, like, expansion of mind made it really easy for me to go, like, I want to do all of these things because I understand how they're done. And in my role, I had to kind of do them anyway. For one, I think uh, if someone's using Adobe Suites, I think that the sky is the limit for that person as far as, you know, especially if you're doing your own projects, you need to dive into things like that. You'll be forced to le learn to do those things because if not, you're subbing it out or you just can't do it. As far as Avid is concerned, if we're just talking, if we were just talking about Avid, as far as like technology and expanding your skill set, I think that Avid has been a, it's been similar to itself for years. There's obviously software you can get with it. And if you do Symphony, you can learn color and that's professional color. But I think as far as like technology and programs, helping people to make that leap and expand their knowledge. I think that especially Adobe, that's 100% true. I mean, I don't use Adobe currently, but when I, when I had the suite, I mean, I found myself jumping into programs that I didn't even know what they did just to see. And then when I realized what it was, I found myself going back to it 
and just trying to learn, you know, just using it for the functions I knew, but then trying to learn some things. Generally, you learn a program, any of those programs, they're going to help you along the way, whether you're an editor or a sound editor or knowledge of those other things are going to push your skill set or help you down the road when you need to do something and you know how to do it already because you've, you know, you've learned the program and such. Yeah, I think that I think that the Adobe Suite is a game changer for especially people who want to learn. Yeah. Whenever you sit down with an editor that has spent time in Los Angeles and or an editor that in another city has spent time working in a real production house, they're like done, man. Avid is not going anywhere. You may never see it superficially day to day in, in kind of smaller tier projects, but there seems to be no worry about the longevity of the platform. But do you see some of this like Adobe jack of all trades encroachment just because there's so many people training up in this, I've got to wear 12 hats kind of mindset? Uh, I do think it, it's, it's interesting. Um, and in, in my moves, in the past couple of years and my search for possibly taking on different roles, I've, I've seen a lot of, and maybe this isn't in Los Angeles as much as it is smaller markets. Um, I think that I, I've also ran into a lot of Adobe people that are like super fluent in a lot of Adobe things. But then when I tell them, well, the job's an avid job, they don't even want to submit their resume. I will say that if you know how to use one or the other, you can definitely uh, make your way and probably do a successful job at, uh, at editing or doing whatever you're doing. If you have knowledge of Avid and you go to Premiere, you may find that you could do more in Premiere than you could going from Premiere to Avid as far as your knowledge. If you had never used Avid, and you only use Premiere, and I sat Avid in front of you, the way it operates, it's, it's just kind of tough to, uh, it's tough to navigate through, whereas I think Premiere, you know, it navigates well. I think the color and all the motion and all these things that they have available to you, you'd fare well going from Avid to Premiere. I just don't know a lot of people, I've run into a lot of people that are just strictly Premiere, strictly Adobe, and they don't want to they don't even want to submit their resume or they, you know, uh, I had to learn Avid again, which was like a daunting task. I was going from Final Cut Pro to Avid when Megalomedia made the switch. It had been so long that I just, I felt like I was learning all over again. I do think in color correction and in post work, people with all that Adobe knowledge can find themselves in positions, jobs, more frequently than someone who's just a strictly an avid editor, unless you're looking to just do this show, just work here and just do this reality show or this crime show or this, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's... Uh, I, I, I... Anyway, I really appreciate your time, and um, I don't know, man, is there anything else you want to throw out there or anything else you want to get in before before I hit kill on the recording? I mean, I'm having a baby. <laughs> Congratulations, dude. Yeah, it's gonna man. be so exciting. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for uh thanks for letting me do this with you. Awesome, right on. I am going to hit stop recording.